0: He charged me with resisting arrest. Get that confidence in jail. I object. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Allegedly Bravo. I'm Lauren. And today I'm talking all about the Murda murder trial, which is a tongue twister in and of itself. Um, But before I get started, I have to give a shout out to one of my favorite Instagram pages of all time, Basic Bravo Loving Bitch. Stop what you're doing. If you're driving, pull over. Go into your Instagram. Go to Basic Bravo Loving Bitch, spelled exactly how it sounds. Give her a follow because this Page has been doing just the best little slideshows after every single day of trial that are very interesting. And I just think if you want a really quick little read, Basic Bravo Loving Bitch has put a lot of work into her slides and they're fabulous. Fabulous. So go give her a follow if you want more information. But today I'm just going to go, I'm going to make this like a series because Holy hell, I didn't know how much was here. I'd never heard of this family before February, honestly. So I'm just a little, I'm still a little surprised that all this has gone on. But I'm going to do a little series on the Murdo murder trial because it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's very overwhelming. And I think to start out, we need to do a little umbrella episode where we talk about who the fuck these people are, what they're in trouble with, what they're in trouble for, what are they doing, where did you come from, where did you go, where did you come from, Cotton Eye Joe? That's what we have to figure out. Where did you come from, Cotton Eye Joe? And we're going to just do the whole episode. Wham, bam, thank you, Pam. And then I want to get into later, not this episode. In other episodes, I want to dig a little deeper into what is going on here. What is the prosecutor's motive? What do, what's their theory? What do they think is going on versus the defense? What's their theory? What do they say is going on? And today, which while I'm recording this is February 27th, newsflash, I recorded this Yet the day before I had to post it. Sorry. Um, But today the defense rested, I believe. So it has been like a 27-day trial. It's ridiculous. But there's so much very interesting information because when these people... Okay, let's just start from the top. Who are... Why are we here? This is the Murdaugh murder family. So what happened was there's a family of four. They live in South Carolina. The immediate family is a family of four. Maggie Murdaugh is the mom. Alex Murdaugh is the dad. Paul Murdaugh is the son, and Buster Murdaugh is the other son. And I have to say it like that. Sorry if it's annoying you. I have to say it like Buster. So Maggie, Paul, and Alex, and Buster all live on this in this big, huge property called Moselle. It's like when rich people name their houses after the street that they're on. So this huge property was 1,770 acres. That's a lot. And they had a huge hunting lodge on this property. That's basically what the whole thing was for. So they had fields where they had doves so they could shoot doves and duck ponds where they could hunt ducks and they had wild hogs that they hunted and so on and so forth. So it was just a huge, huge acre of property that this family lived on. Well, Alex Murdaugh is from like old Southern money. Like I would not be surprised if Alex Murdaugh and um, Thomas Ravenal like knew each other or went to the same school, you know, they just seem to be the same kind of guy, if you know what I'm saying. So Alex Murdaugh belongs to this family called the Murdaughs. Shocker! And for more than a century—that's a hundred years—for more than a hundred years, this Murdaugh family has just completely dominated the legal field in the South Carolina area. They call it Low Country. So Low Country is apparently where. It's like really lush, and I guess it's really nice there. I don't know if that's where Southern Charm is, but this is low country. So this family has just been prolific in the legal field in the low country. For example, in 1910, the grandpa, Randolph Murdoch Sr., started his own law firm in Hampton, which ended up becoming this huge multi-million-dollar practice with offices in three countries, countries, lol, counties um, in southern Carolina or South Carolina, and all like the Murdos have worked there. Generations of Murdos have traipsed through those halls. So, from 1920 through. 2006 non-stop from 1920 to 2006 that's about how old my grandma is I think at least three members of the Murdoch family grandpa dad no great-grandpa grandpa and dad of Alec Murdoch were the solicitors of the state so the solicitor or the county so the solicitor is basically the district attorney, and they're in charge of being the prosecutor. They prosecute all of the criminal cases in that district. So this district was their 14th district in South Carolina, and it ended, they ended up calling this 14th district, had five counties in it that the Murdaws were the district attorneys for. They called it Murdaw Country. Like, yikes. Uh, Yikes. So this family also funded or found um, this huge law firm. You know, it grew into a multi-million dollar practice. Yada, yada, yada. Murdoch County. This law firm became nationally recognized. Like, up there with the Tom Girardi. We're doing some personal injury shit. Okay. Alex, who also goes by Alec... It's Alec and Alex, and I find that interesting because that means that people in South Carolina pronounce their X as a C. Alec? Alex? Interesting. So Alex graduated from USC, but not the normal USC, not University of Southern California, not the Shannon Bedore USC, the University of South Carolina, the Alec Alec Murdaugh University. So he graduates in, uh, sorry, 1990, and then he goes to law school at the same school, USC School of Law, and graduates in 1994. Shocker, this man becomes a lawyer. He joins the family law firm. He volunteers part-time with Gramps over at the 14th uh, Circuit Solicitor's Office. And, of course, he married the love of his life, Margaret Kennedy Branstetter, a.k.a. Maggie. Maggie and him, they get married. They have two wonderful little boys that they name Richard Alexander Jr., who they call Buster. And Paul Terry, who's called Paw-Paw. So we have Paw-Paw, Alec, Blister, Maggie, and Paw-Paw. This is so fun. Okay, but it doesn't stay fun for long. It actually takes an extremely dark turn. Because on June 7th, 2021, Maggie and Paul the wife and the son, one of the sons, were found shot to death on this huge hunting property on Moselle Road. So this is just the very short gist of it all. It's a long day. Maggie's down. They have a bunch of properties, right? Because these are rich people from the south. So Maggie's over at their beach house hanging out, and Paul's doing whatever teeny or 22-year-old boys do. And Alec is doing work over at the law firm, and they all come home, and they eat dinner. And then Alec goes to visit his mother, who has dementia, because, funnily enough, his father went into the hospital basically was terminal you know it was like hospice but they took him to the hospital I would assume since his wife had dementia and was right next to him in the bed like how traumatic for both of them to be on hospice in that situation so he went to the hospital the the dad the grandpa Murda, and grandma Murda was at home so Alec went to go visit grandma who was like laying in bed with dementia while he goes to do that maggie and paul go down to these dog kennels so they have this huge hunting property and there's a little area where they have a line of kennels and it literally looks like kennels like you'd see at i don't know like the humane society but they're all outside and there's a couple dogs in there and basically they were A hunting property so they were hunting dogs that went and got the birds and the this and the that so Maggie and Paul went down there and were doing whatever they did down there and Alec jetted off to his mother's house to go hang out with her well then he comes home it's and he's like where are these people he gets home hello Maggie Paul no one's responding that's weird maybe they're still at the kennels So he gets back in his truck and drives down to the kennels because it's huge property and who would ever walk? I wouldn't, especially not at night. And he drives down there and he sees the bodies of his 22-year-old son, Paul, and his 52-year-old wife, Maggie. And they're laying next to the dog kennels, um, face down, both of them. And Alex grabs his phone and at 10.06 p.m., he places the 911 call that kicks off this entire month long trial. So, what we have is a Nepo baby extraordinaire, Alex who's got his hands just in every legal pocket ever. I mean, this guy must be walking around like untouchable, you know? And his wife and his son are completely brutally murdered. And I mean her his son's brain was on the floor. Like that's ridiculously gross. Um and they had no shooter. They had no weapon left behind. Nothing. They just showed up and Alex was there and the bodies were there and they were like, we have to solve this murder. So the South Carolina law enforcement division is called SLED. That's what they call it for short. Um, They obviously started looking into it, doing all the forensic, testing the stuff and From the get-go, Alex was, quote, in the circle, which is so meet the fuckers. but you can't fault them for using that kind of terminology, you know? So, Alex is a person of interest. They're, like, looking into him. Um, But it's like, what's his motive? Why would this man brutally murder his wife and his son? I don't know. So... His attorney, Alex's attorney, Mr. Griffin, gets on the horn and he actually goes on to Fox Carolina and says, Hey, everyone, if SLED thinks Alex is the one who did not wouldn't they have been able to figure that out that night? You would think that they would have searched his house and found blood. You would think that they would have found murder weapons. You would think they would have come up with something to link Alex to the murders. And they haven't done that. So what's the big deal? And I got to be honest with you. I didn't know these people from Adam before this trial started. And I didn't do any background research on these people. And I've been watching this trial since day one. And the first time I did background research was today after the defense rested. And I would not be surprised if the jury comes back and acquits Alex Murdaugh because I do not think that the state has enough evidence to connect Alex to these murders. I really don't. And we'll get into it as as we go on in later episodes, but what hap- what ended up happening from this 30 or 40,000 mile view above is they're investigating this murder They've connected Alex to it, but they haven't arrested him. They just kind of are interested in him. And then September rolls around. And in September, it came out that Alex actually was embezzling money from his law firm, that big law firm that the family started. And he was asked to resign. And you want to know how much he allegedly stole? Millions of dollars millions of dollars. So, June 7th, his family is killed. June 10th, his dad dies of old age. I forgot to tell you guys that. But that happened a couple days after. Um September 3rd, he resigns. He owes millions. He owes millions. It's just a lot, right? September 4th. Another 911 call. What happens? Oh, Alex Murdaugh was allegedly shot in the head while changing a tire on the side of a rural road. So a day after all this comes to life, Alex is changing his tire and he claims a truck came up to him, slowed down, shot him, and then drove away. Which is interesting because I've never been shot before. Ever. Thank God. But I just feel like if I got shot in the head, I would be like, and then they drove away. I mean, that's kind of obvious because they didn't stick around, you know. Um, But the injury ended up being superficial and he was released from the hospital thereafter. Okay. So two days after he's shot in the head by this drive-by shooter, Alex, on September 6th, releases a statement saying, I'm going to rehab In Orlando, Florida. Okay, that's a little crazy because why would you be going to rehab in Orlando? You just got shot in the head and your son and wife just got murdered. What are we doing? Why are you going to rehab? No one knew this was happening. Turns out he was super addicted to opioids and oxycodone. Oops. And it turned out... That on September 14th, SLED announced that Curtis Edward Smith, who was Alex's source for the oxycodone, was arrested for conspiring with Alex to shoot Alex on the side of the road. So he used his drug dealer, his oxy dealer, to stage a drive by shooting. Well, what would be the point of that? He still has another kid left. You can't leave them all. Well, he says he did it because he wanted his son Buster to receive this $10 million insurance policy. So, of course, the government was not having it. They arrested Smith. They charged him with assisted suicide. Obviously aggravated assault. Obviously battery and insurance fraud. Oh, yikes. So his attorneys, Alex's attorneys say, hey, you know what? Sorry, it was an assisted suicide um, because I wanted to kill myself because I was super depressed and I had no money and my son needed money. So he thought if he set up his own murder, his son would be able to get life insurance. So that might trigger you. Well, maybe that's why he killed his wife and his son, right? Well, here's the twist. There is no life insurance policy on the wife or the son. And as I said before, no murder weapon was ever found. Ever. Something to keep in mind. So after he attempted to do all this stuff and he had himself shot so that he could get $10 million. um, And Curtis Edward, Edward Smith was arrested and charged with all this stuff. Alex admitted to this whole scheme the day after. And his lawyer, Dick Harputlian, who some people don't like, but I kind of find him endearing. Um, he confirmed that, yeah, the addiction to opioids and stuff was really what did him in. Um, and his, the murders led him to such depression. He knew what he did was wrong. And he was on withdrawal from opioids and all this stuff. So Mr. Harputlian is really saying, like, you have to give this guy a break. His family was murdered. He was withdrawing from pills and his kid needed money. He was depressed. All right. Well, that probably isn't going to fly. But on October 14th, 2021, the same day of Alex's second arrest, um, that was the arrest when he had himself shot. Well, Curtis Smith, the man of, who was accused of assisting Alex with the suicide plot, he claimed that Alex was never actually struck by a bullet. And Mr. Curtis Edward Smith, he actually went on the Today program and he said, I didn't shoot Alex on Labor Day weekend. He asked me to shoot him, but I didn't. So, well, Mr. Curtis Edward Smith, then what happened? So Curtis Edward Smith alleges that on September 4th, Alex says, hey, come meet me on this rural road in Hampton. And once Curtis got there, Alex was holding a gun. And Alex looks at Curtis and he goes, you going to shoot me? And Curtis goes, no. And Alex said, we've got to do it. And he made a motion and they just grabbed his arm. And I shoved the gum the I shoved the gun up behind him between me and him, and it went off. Kind of sounds like you might have shot him, just saying, but Smith then said, "I'm a thousand percent sure that the bullet did not hit either of them. Well, the man was in the hospital, so I don't know, maybe it just grazed him not too sure either way. Alex ended up charged with insurance fraud, conspiracy to commit insurance fraud and filing a false police report because he said he was, you know, attacked and he wasn't. Well, prior to, so that's all the crimes and the charges and the this and the that that came out just as a result from this lawsuit. But before this lawsuit happened, there was another lawsuit that involved this family and especially Paul Murdaugh, the son who ended up dead. So the Murdoch family, including Alex, were involved in this wrongful death suit that was filed in March of 2019. Um, And this lawsuit comes about when Paul Murdoch was on a boat with a bunch of his friends and there was a woman on the boat named Mallory Beach. Such a cute name. She was like a 20-year-old girl just hanging out on the boat, chilling in March, right? Well... Somebody driving the boat was drinking and the boat crashed into like a pile or something. I I don't remember what it crashed into, but either way, Mallory Beach went missing and they couldn't find her and they looked everywhere and it took over a week to find her body. And of course she was dead. Obviously she was gone for a week. Um, Paul was charged with that criminally and uh, civilly, they filed a lawsuit against her. So, um, in April of that year, he was, Paul, the son, was arrested and indicted on charges of boating under the influence, causing a death, and two counts of uh, significant bodily injury. So this was after they all went partying on this island called Paris Island. And apparently, Paul was driving a boat with five of his friends on it that crashed into a bridge piling, yep, at about 2 a.m. So this is really, really, really early in the morning. Um, Mallory was thrown from the boat. There's a lot of really sad, sad things out there about this case. But I didn't include them here just because... It was hearsay, and I didn't know if it was true. And I want to keep this very factual for you guys. So we have no resolve from this because obviously Paul passed away and couldn't fulfill the criminal investigation and case. So we don't know if Paul was driving. They seem to think he was. All we know is Mallory Beach has passed away, and it's awful, awful, awful tragedy. The next case that they looked into was this case with this woman named Gloria Statterfield. So Gloria was a housekeeper for the Murdoch family, and she did everything for them. She was their housekeeper, you know. So on September 15th, after Alec was shot and checked into rehab, Sled announced, hey, We're actually going to open an investigation into the 2018 death of your housekeeper. So Gloria Statterfield died in 2018 after what everyone was told was a trip and fall accident. But people aren't too sure if it was a trip and fall. So SLED opened up the investigation and they based it on the fact that a coroner had found inconsistencies surrounding Gloria's death. And that these discrepancies were not reported to the coroner in 2018 and no autopsy was performed. I do have to say that leaves me with a lot of questions. So if you found inconsistencies but the inconsistencies were not reported and there was no autopsy, what did you find? That's my question for SLED. I have more questions about that. Um, so on September, or these sons of Gloria, Gloria's two sons, were uh, the survivors of Gloria after this whole lawsuit. And one was named Michael, a.k.a. Tony, and one was named Brian. So after the mother died, apparently Tony says that Alex walked up to them and said, hey, you got to sue me. Because Alex was like, I'm going to help you get money. You can get money out of this insurance, yada, yada. You got to sue me. And according to Michael... Um, Alex personally introduced these two boys to an attorney named Corey Fleming and recommended that Corey should be the boy's attorney. But what Alex didn't tell these two boys is that Corey Fleming was his college roommate and a godfather to one of his sons. Okay. Now, while that could be like a quote, conflict of interest, I understand, um, Also, it's like a small town and a lot of lawyers are friends with colleagues and I've recommended people to people I went to law school with. I don't think that makes it a conflict of interest. It's networking. But, oh well. Um, There's bigger fish to fry here. The man stole. But according to this complaint, Alex's insurance company agreed to a partial settlement of the claims. And they said, listen, we'll give you $505,000, all right? We'll just settle it. And the sons were like, great. But they never received their money. So they hired two new attorneys to represent them. And the civil suit is continuing. And the police are like, we're investigating this for criminal liability. Well, here comes June 2022, and wouldn't you know it, the investigators are going to exhume this woman's body. They're going to exhume her body. I mean, they must really think something bad happened to this woman to exhume her body. What do they think they're going to find? I don't know. So anyway, the sled spokesperson said that the sons agreed to this. And they said, listen, it's going to take weeks. It's going to take weeks. And they're just going to do it. I don't know whatever ended up happening with that. I'm going to have to look into it. But I'm just really shook to my core that they're going to dig this woman up this far after. If I'm dead and the circumstances are fishy, just don't dig me up. Just be wondering about it, okay? It's fine. Let's just all wonder. I don't care. Like, I really don't want to be dug up. I really don't. Let the record reflect. Not Do not dig me up. Also, I want to be a coral reef, so that won't be a problem for me anyway. But this trial has just gone on for 27 days or more, and The prosecution put on like 20 days of testimony. They had so many different experts going into the cell phones and the last time each person used their cell phones. They had GPS data from cell phones, GPS data from OnStars, all kinds, all kinds of stuff. When was the last time Maggie's phone screen was on? Which direction was it rotated? When was a Snapchat recorded? When was it sent? And it's all these really, really, really minute details that the jurors are supposed to remember and determine whether this guy's guilty or, or innocent, you know? And we have to remember at this very moment, those jurors are supposed to assume that Alex is innocent, and the state has to prove that he's guilty. So if you're sitting there looking at a man that you're told is innocent, this is an innocent man, and this group of lawyers has to prove to you that he actually brutally slaughtered his wife and son, it puts it into perspective. It's like, okay, well, they better have a lot of information because just because your wife and son get killed doesn't mean you did it. I mean, he wasn't home, this and that and the other thing. So that's why I'm saying I won't be surprised if he gets off the hook for this but I do want to go way deeper into the evidence how they got it the blood splatters all this evidence is so interesting that puts together this whole story where the prosecution says that Alex walked up to his son and his wife and shot him multiple times and then Somehow became clean, not covered in any blood, somehow disposed of weapons. And then um, an hour later called 911 and reported him missing or I'm sorry, dead. The defense is saying they went to the kennels. They said goodbye. Alec went to go visit his mom and he came back and craziness ensued. They're saying, you know, he owes people a lot of money. He had drug dealers, this and that. If you want to know my theory, what I think happened, and I don't know any of this for certain, all I know is I've been watching this evidence every single day. I've heard all of the testimony, and this is the first time I've ever learned anything about the background of this family. And what I think happened is, allegedly, my hypothesis, not the truth, is that Alex Murdoch owed this drug gang, a lot of money, like a lot of money, a lot of it from his opioids. And you know, drug gangs, when you owe them money, they're probably going to get it. Like it's not money by Monday, Randall. It's money right now. And they also don't care if they kill someone like they just don't. So I wouldn't be surprised if it turns out that this was sort of a gang issue and not necessarily a murder issue because I don't understand what they think his motive is. None of the financial crimes seem to have been too much for this family. Like it was a couple million dollars. And if they have this generational wealth that they say they have, it shouldn't be too hard to move some things around and get a couple million bucks sent over to these people who need it. I don't know why he didn't get it in the first place, but I mean, this is a murder trial. So we'll go through what the prosecution is saying, the evidence that they bring, and I am just so fascinated with this trial. And I hope that this sort of overview gives you the background that I wish I had when I started watching the trial because I didn't know anything about the Statterfield woman or the boat case and so I'm just sitting here hearing boat case statterfield this that and it's like what happened who are these people and apparently they're quite quite famous so stick around for a couple weeks we'll really get to the bottom of this I can't wait to see what the jury says let me know what you guys think do you guys think he did it do you think he didn't do it do you think he did it and he'll be innocent or let off do you think he didn't do it and he'll be convicted I want to know everything that you have to think um so dm me email me allegedly bravo at gmail.com go and give me a five-star review go ahead and say this podcast was so great I learned so much and this girl is so fun and spicy and that would be really great and I will see you guys next week bye Allegedly Bravo podcast is hosted, produced, and researched by Lauren Peavy House. Allegedly Bravo is available anywhere you listen to podcasts and cannot be copied or rebroadcast without consent. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. It really helps me out. This podcast is made available by the lawyer or legal expert for educational purposes only, as well as to give you general information and a general understanding of the law, not to provide specific legal advice. By listening to this podcast, you understand that there's no attorney-client relationship between you and the podcast publisher. Allegedly Bravo podcast should not be used as a substitute for competent legal advice from a licensed professional attorney in your state. Got it?